Hello, Screamer, and welcome to ScreamStream, your weekly spoiler-free guide to streaming horror entertainment. I'm James Gass. If you're new to the show, what I do is review a horror movie from one of the various streaming services, spoiler-free. Also cover some news, new releases of the week, and some video games as well. If you'd like to support ScreamStream, please head over to patreon.com slash screamstream, become a patron. For just a buck a month, you will get a secret podcast link with early access to the original ScreamStream run that ran from 2014 to 2015. You'll also get extra audio content as well. But if you'd rather make a one-time donation, head over to ScreamPod.com and donate via the PayPal button. And again, you can give just a one-time donation of as much or as little as you like. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to ScreamStream and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app may be. So right off the bat, I do want to congratulate Woody Bowen of Lawrenceville, Georgia, for winning the Jigsaw Digital Code. Thank you so much, uh, Woody, for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you keep listening to the show. So congratulations. Check your Twitter. I did send you a tweet. You'll just have to follow me so I can DM you the uh, digital code. All right, moving right along. I hope you guys had a really good week. I did. It's been busy, but a pretty good week. Now, I do have to say, I know I was supposed to review Mayhem for this week's episode, but uh, my Shutter subscription expired, and I haven't renewed it yet. Uh, that's a whole other story. So maybe one day I will get back into Shutter and I can review Mayhem. So instead of reviewing Mayhem this week, I am going to be reviewing The Ritual, which just came out on Netflix uh, last week. And this was based off the book by Adam Neville. And the screenplay was written by Joe Barton and Adam Neville. This was directed by David Bruckner, who also wrote the anthology film Southbound, which was really, really good. Uh, the wife and I enjoyed it very much. If you haven't seen that, I think it's on, uh, I think it's on uh, Amazon Prime. So check that out if you can. And it stars Raf Spall, Asher Ali, and Robert James Collier. And for a brief plot synopsis, a group of college friends reunite for a trip to the forest, but encounter a menacing presence in the woods that's stalking them. Uh, that's like a super brief, that's like a really brief plot synopsis. Uh, essentially what it is is four friends go on a hike in, I think it's Norway, somewhere in Norway, uh, to honor their friend who had passed away. And they take a shortcut through the woods to get back to the lodge. And very bad things start to happen in the woods. Look, if if you go on a hike and you think there's a shortcut, don't don't take the shortcut. It never turns out good. It's always bad. Just just go the long way. So and that's what happened to these four friends. So let me start off with the uh, characters, acting and characters. Acting was great. Characters, I loved the characters. Normally, if you've listened to this show for a while, you know that I hate, I hate five friends, blah, blah, blah. Four friends, blah, blah, blah. A group of friends, blah, blah, blah. You always have that stereotypical group of friends go off, do something. You always have the cliche bro friend. You have the cliche smart friend, the nerdy, the um, good looking friend, the jock. You always have these, these stereotypical tropes in every single group friends movie. Not in this one. 
thank you, Jeebus. <laughs> None of these characters fit any sort of cliche. They all had their own sort of unique presence, and they didn't fit in any of the tropes. They were just a group of friends who suffered a loss, and they're trying to survive in the woods. And it was really refreshing to see that. I was so glad. I love the characters in the film, even the extra characters that come in later. And I can't, I don't really want to spoil that for you, but there's a lot of really good acting in the film. And as for the story, the, the story was actually really interesting. Now I haven't read the book, but after watching the movie, I do want to read the book now. It was super suspenseful, uh, very tense. Uh, everything, what I really appreciated was that the, I think the, the main character in the film, he, he kind of started having like these flashbacks and he couldn't tell if they were real or if they were imaginary because they sort of started like what he was imagining started blending in with reality and you still didn't know if that was real or not. And that created a lot of, of scary, tense moments in the film. And cause you, I mean, you don't know if the guy's losing his mind or what. And, uh, they stumble upon this house and they spend the night there and they all wake up and like, like they all had nightmares and they're all terrified of, of what they dreamt about. And they wake up in weird places within the house doing strange things. It was, oh man, that right there, that kicked everything off. And I thought that was a really nice way to get the ball rolling because, uh, there wasn't like a lot of jump scares, but there was a lot of, of buildup between uh, suspenseful moments. I, I can't really say it was a slow burn because there were there were just constant buildups that led to a payoff. Uh, when I talk about slow burn, just not much happens for a really long time. But this was like uh, a, a nice pace between happenings and the story kept me interested like all the way up until the end i i was entranced in the film i was i was involved in it i was involved with the characters uh i've seen a lot of reviews online saying that the film was scary right up until the end when we saw a creature uh, and i i th don't think i really agree with that i thought the film was scary through the end period I think when we finally get to see this creature thing, uh, I think it becomes a, a different type of scary. Uh, we go from the scary that is the unknown, uh, that is shadows messing with you, to something that's a, a very real scary that's like right in front of you, um, kind of terrifying. I thought that was interesting the way they did that, the way they shifted from... Uh, that kind of unknown fear or their fear of the unknown into the fear of the known. I mean, we see, we see it all the time in horror films, but the way they did it here in this film, I really enjoyed it because it didn't feel cheap and it didn't feel like uh, they had to give everything away right up front so that the audience knows what's happening from the very middle of the film all the way through. They didn't, they didn't have to give you a bunch of exposition uh, just so that you would, kind of know what's happening uh, if the, if any of that makes sense i like the way they did it they didn't just give everything to you right away i, I wish more films would do that I, I don't feel like i have to see 
the creature right up front. Uh, I feel like I don't have to see the ghost right up front. I don't even feel like I have to have an ex- explanation of what a ghost is in like a, in a film or like in a haunted house film. You don't have to explain all that stuff to me. Just tell me that there's a ghost and some bad stuff happens. Uh, and in this, there's a creature and there's not much exp- explanation for it. It's, it's just this creature that's happening to do terrible things to people. So it was really great film, uh, well-written, well-acted. Uh, the cinematography was great. There are shots in this. Normally, normally when, when you're shooting a film, you don't use the zoom. You either physically move the camera by walking or you have it on a dolly um, or tracks or whatever. The way they used zoom in this film was really cool because they had shots where the, the the friends were hiking up a trail and it they walk off in the distance and the camera just zooms through the trees following them that way. And it created this really interesting look. Uh, and you could tell it wasn't Dolly shot because... Objects didn't move relative to the camera, if that makes sense. Uh, you you could tell when this when a shot's being zoomed in, and the way they used it here was really cool, and it created such a really nice effect. I loved that, absolutely loved it. I thought the colors were great, nice muted tones, uh, a lot of browns and greens because I mean they are in the forest, and even the creature matched the overall uh, color scheme of the film, which was really nice. Lighting was great. I, I think they used like a lot of natural lighting. And what's really nice is that during the night shots, uh, it wasn't overly grainy. Uh, a lot of times when you see films shot at night, there's a lot of grain. It's hard to tell what's going on. This there wasn't. I don't know what kind of cameras they were using. I assume they were using either... RA cameras or, or red cameras, but they look really good in those night shots. There are some parts in the film that had like this really dark claustrophobic feel to them that created a really nice, just a spooky sense or made you feel claustrophobic and, and, and unnerved. I, I love this. I thought this was a really good film. This is probably right now my top film of 2018 horror film as it goes. Uh, this is probably my top horror film of 2018 released this, released this year. Really good movie. This is available on Netflix as a Netflix exclusive. Uh, I think this was, uh, yeah, this is actually a Netflix original film. Really good movie. I highly recommend it. So as for a rating, uh, I think I'll give the film a four and a half out of five. Excellent watch. Go check it out. You have to watch this movie. It's so, so good. All right. As for news, uh, not a whole lot of news uh, other than uh, the Halloween 18 film has wrapped on production. Uh, I think they wrapped uh, earlier this week or was it last week? Maybe it was last week it wrapped up. But that's wrapped up. And so now they're going to start moving into uh, post-production. And the I think the re- release date is set for October the 19th. So I'm super excited for that. Cannot wait to see this one. I've been kind of following all the pictures uh, from the production crew, um, and it looks really good. I'm I'm super excited. Uh, also, uh, last week I did mention that I did get a Switch, 
So this slasher puzzle game called Slayaway Camp Butcher's Cut is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and it's supposed to come out in March. Yeah, sometime in March. And this is basically a puzzle game where you play a stereotypical 80s kind of slasher. And you have to move around a room to kill the camper, basically. And uh, it looks really cool. I like puzzle games and I like slasher games. So this should be pretty interesting. Uh, it's got some pretty good reviews. Uh, it is an indie game. I don't know what the price is going to be. Uh, but I do know it's available on PS4 and Xbox One. And I haven't I haven't played it on those consoles. So I do plan on getting this for the Switch. Uh, but I'll put a link to this in the show notes. So you can check out the trailer for that. Uh, and then also... This week, we got an update for The Evil Within 2. We now have first-person mode, and I am going to try that out. I haven't had time to do that yet, uh, but basically, you can switch from third to first-person, and uh, I think that's really cool. In horror games, when you can play in first-person, it's just super creepy. It, it provides or it creates a, a scarier sort of feel to the game. Uh, Resident Evil 7 was like that. That was a terrifying game. Uh, also, a game that I played, an indie game for the PC called Home Sweet Home. Probably the most terrifying game I've ever played, ever. And that game is pretty cheap. I think it's like 10 bucks on Steam. If you have a PC, get that game. Like, the the scariest game I've ever played. So that's really it for news. There wasn't a whole lot happening. Uh, nothing much that I really wanted to talk about, except for those few things. Uh, so let's move on to new releases. Uh, this week, in physical releases, we have Night of the Living Dead from the Criterion Collection, and they have done a 4K restoration of the original film. They also have a ton of special features. I do want to get this on Blu-ray at some point, uh, but if you can get your hands on it, do so now because there are a ton of there is a ton of stuff included on that disc. Uh, also, Dario Argento's The Bird with the Crystal Plumage is is on Blu-ray. Drag Me to Hell Collector's Edition from Scream Factory is out. Uh, Atrocious is out on Blu-ray. This is a Spanish film. Uh, this uh, is a Spanish film. It's a found footage film. That's right. I did see this. I don't remember if I saw it on Netflix or if it was Amazon Prime, but this actually was pretty good. Uh, subtitled, so if you don't like reading movies, shame on you because <laughs> it's a really good movie. Uh, Blood Splattered Bride from 1972 is out. Eaten Alive Limited Edition from Arrow is out. Uh, Francesca, I have not heard of this movie, uh, but it looked kind of interesting. Uh, Hellraiser Judgment, this is the newest Hellraiser film, not starring Doug, Doug Bradley. I do want to watch this. It's gotten a lot of mixed reviews. I do want to get my hands on it uh, and maybe do a review for it on, on this show because Pinhead is... My absolute favorite horror icon um, out of all the horror icons, Pinhead is is my number one. Um, so I do want to see this. There's been a lot of hype around it, and I do want to get my hands on it and, and review it for the show. Uh, Inside, which is a remake, I have not seen the original. Uh, I've heard it was, it was really good. I think it was an Asian film, I think. Uh, but apparently there's a remake, an American remake, and uh, I don't know if it's any good or not, but, you know, I might check it out. Uh, on Shutter is Honeymoon, 
which was really good sci-fi, sci-fi horror thriller kind of movie. I did a review of that on the original Scream stream. I don't remember which episode though. I think it was like episode 20 something. That was a really good film. The Two Faces of January, never heard of that. And Dead Shack, which is a Shudder exclusive about zombies that is on Shudder now. And there wasn't much on Amazon Prime, nothing really new, nothing really notable. You know, they add a whole bunch of stuff every week, but a lot of it's like garbage. And I just didn't see anything like I really had to talk about. So I skipped Amazon Prime this week. I think that's going to wrap it up for this edition of ScreamStream. If you'd like to keep up with me outside of the podcast, you can do so at ScreamPod.com, where I have links to all of my social profiles. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are the two places where I'm most active. Twitter, it's at James Gas. On Instagram, it's at James Gas. And I try not to do a whole lot of cross-posting, so you'll get something different with each of those. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast via your favorite podcatcher. And get the show notes for each episode. Remember, head over to ScreamPod.com. And remember, if you'd like to support the show, you can head over to Patreon.com slash ScreamStream. Sign up for just a buck a month and you'll get extra audio content and some other perks over there. And then if you just want to give a one-time donation, that would help me out as well. Because I pay for all my hosting and everything through uh, PayPal. Um, So it all goes through there. Uh, But you can click on the Donate via PayPal button. And again, that is over at ScreamPod.com. And if you have a film you would like me to review, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram uh, or go to the contact page at ScreamPod.com. And if there's a movie that you really want me to review, let me know and I will review it on the show and mention you as well. And finally, music for ScreamStream was created by Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com. Until next week, I'm James Gass saying, if it was real, the cameraman would be dead too. Good night.